Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over, you are glad that they are over, and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure. I will talk about it so that I don't have to see it again or whatever. So in a way, our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine. We wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap. We had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I'm doing a solo episode on today, the... 14th of February, Valentine's Day, but more importantly, it is the one-year anniversary of this podcast. Now, I know obviously that I probably recorded a little bit before the 14th of February, and I don't know that the first episode was released on the 14th of February, but it was the second week of February that I released the first episode of this podcast. It's The Godfather. So I've been doing this for a year now. It's been really fun to do. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who's listened. I know that there are some people out there who have been boycotting the show. Hopefully I can remedy that. But I also wanted to say a couple things about, you know, just my experience with this and everything. It's been really fun to do. It's been a really good sort of uh, way to get me back into movies in general. It's made me want to watch a lot more films, which that's kind of brings me to the point of I don't have a guest on this episode. I know that that's overwhelmingly the honestly I think everyone's favorite format is when I have a guest and we can riff on each other. Things are much more funny. It is honestly my favorite way of releasing an episode when I do have a you know that really funny episode where I've got those really good clips and I'm just excited for you to hear it. But that being said, this podcast has made me really want to watch more movies. And so to sort of get through my backlog, because I know a lot of people that I do my show with, the guests, really can't quite always line up, and I need content so that I can maintain putting out an episode every week. Not to blame them or anything, you know, it's just life gets in the way sometimes, and things doesn't happen, it happens to me too. So I wanted to say that I'm probably going to do a few more of these solo episodes from here going forward in the second season. I guess I'll call this the second season of the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. They'll be probably a little bit more focused on maybe a bit more sort of review style, kind of like my last few that I had done were like Raw, Scream, stuff like that. 
And I'm also going to try to go to the cinema as well some more because there are a lot of movies that I am excited about coming out this year. Um, like the sequel to The Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Fetty Alvarez, X by Ty West. Uh, all these movies that I'm excited for, I want to go see and I want to do episodes on. And sometimes people are not interested in the same type of movies that I am. So going forward, I'll probably have, you know, a few more of these solo episodes. And hopefully I'm going to have some new guests and maybe a few different types of shows, maybe, that I've got planned. Just to kind of change it up a bit. But I, I want you guys to know that the format that we'll be doing is basically going to be the same thing. First part of the episode, before second part after and the bread and butter of the show is always going to be that one guest or multiple guests set up i'm going to try to at least get my space to where i can maybe do multiple recordings without the audio quality being actual garbage like it was in the godfather go to listen to it but seriously i'm sorry your ears will hate you for a little bit so anyway with that being said i am talking today about the wailing from 2016 uh, this is a Korean film directed by Na Hong Jin. Uh, I believe that's how you say it. He is the writer as well. And this movie has been on my radar since it came out. 2016 was sort of in that fine line of like, I'm starting to get back into movies again just a little bit after sort of that post-college 2011, 2012 time frame. You know, a lot of stuff happened in my life, sort of getting back into the normal swing of things, maybe watching a movie here and there. I just didn't really have a lot of people to watch this movie with. While I have a lot of friends around me who are very much into horror films, you know, like my wife and stuff, they're, she's not. So I don't really, I can't just sit down and watch this movie. I've got kids, so it's, it's harder for me to watch this movie just, you know, without making a special time to go to go do it. Um, I guess to date the content right now, I'm actually not going to a Super Bowl party. Because, well, one, I really don't care, and two, it gives me time to watch a movie that I've been meaning to. And I decided, you know what, this is probably at the t very tippy top of my list, and it has been for many years. I've heard nothing but good things from everyone who has seen this movie. And honestly, Korean cinema, and, and I know I say it all the time, Korean cinema is some of my favorite uh, out there. I mean... Old Boy is one of my top three movies of all time. The Vengeance Trilogy, really good. Uh, anything that Park Chan-wook does. Um, and I can go on from there. Like, I Saw the Devil, one of my favorite psychological thriller horror films as well. I think the Koreans just do this thing that I really like. It's sort of that brooding, like, dour melancholy that I can just really, not necessarily identify with, but it just hits me really hard. It's bleak with, while at the same time looking beautiful and remaining, at least in some ways, sometimes kind of weirdly hopeful in like a really messed up way. And I think that it really just, it defies expectations and logic in such a way, or at least generally Korean cinema in general that I have seen. Although I tend to look at the sort of more psychological thriller slash horror than I do any other genre. But who knows? I could just absolutely love Korean rom-coms. Who knows? I might stray into those in the future. I've got a one or two on my list, but who knows? Um, to give you a uh, an idea of what this movie is, I'm going to actually read you a real synopsis of this movie. Soon after a stranger arrives in a little village, a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman, drawn into the incident, is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter. 
So I, I don't really know a lot about it. I've seen trailers for it. It's been a few years since I've really kind of like seriously taken a look at it and been like, man, I really want to see this because I've had friends, uh, internet acquaintances, some internet friends, some of you mysterious people in the computer that probably don't exist, but I call my friends, you people uh, have seen it and love it. And I expect to as well. I think, as far as I'm aware, and I haven't really spoiled this for myself at all, I've kind of stayed away from it other than watching a few trailers, I think that there are at least, it may stray into some supernatural elements, which I really love the way that the Koreans kind of do this, where they're like, is it uh, not supernatural? Is it supernatural? Is there weird trippy things happening? Yeah, maybe, we're not sure, but it looks cool and we're going forward with it. Um, it's really good. I, I very much like that sort of style of film where you're not 100% certain for quite a lot of the way and then, you know, it takes a turn one way or the other, right? Where they make it certain that it's, it's not supernatural or it is supernatural or something. So with this movie, I'm definitely excited about seeing where it goes. I want to 100% like, you know, like I said, I think I'm going to like it a lot. So I'm going to read a little bit of trivia here just to see like what there is about it that, you know, might be interesting. Because again, I don't really have trivia for this, like any questions. And then we can kind of go from there, I guess. Uh, I probably don't have a lot to say about this movie on the first half other than I just expect this to be really good. So the movie contains many themes, but is based on folk religions in Korea. That's that's cool. That's a very, very good one there. According to director Na Hong Jin, this movie made was made on the basis of folk religions in korea and nepal and on catholic faiths so it's got a lot of like really intermingled sort of storytelling from different faiths and traditions i like that that's really cool um it kind of has a like a weird like korean voodoo vibe i guess because there's a lot of like kind of catholicism a little bit in sort of like a voodoo you know is there sort of a lot of like intermingling there so it, it kind of gives me the feeling of voodoo maybe um which honestly anytime i see anything that is like voodoo any sort of voodoo movie or or just even media in general it's a really cool sort of like darker off the beaten path sort of thing um since i don't really know anything about korean or nepalese um folklore this is going to be fun i think Oh, this is Ari Aster's favorite horror film of the last 10 years, as of 2019, is when he said that. Uh, that's very interesting, because I actually was going to say, I get some, like, hereditary vibes from this, in a sense. Like, there's maybe, like, you can maybe take it in a non-demonic way, or maybe a more demonic way, who knows. But if this is Ari Aster's favorite horror film of the last 10 years, he said that as of 2019, I imagine that probably Hereditary was fairly inspired by this. And I know a lot of people out there are going to be like, oh, Hereditary is overplayed. I, I agree with you. Some people kind of take, take Hereditary a little too far down the throat. However, I really like it. I, I It was one of the first movies that I saw getting back into really watching movies again. And it was the first movie, horror movie, that I had seen in theaters in years, uh, I think, since Don't Breathe. I think Don't Breathe was the one movie that I saw in theaters prior to Hereditary. And Hereditary, at that point, I was really getting back into movies. And it hit me at such a good time in my life that I'm like, oh, I really like this movie. It's really good. So say what you will about it. Uh, and the lack or 
or um, abundance of content that is within it. It's a really good looking movie with a lot of like nice little like sort of twists and and it's slick looking at the very least. It makes you kind of like feel a certain way. I imagine that because this is Ari Aster's favorite movie, there's probably going to be a lot of similarities, at least in as far as like me potentially look uh, or feel of this movie. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, let me see if there's any sort of other trivia here. Uh, ooh, I don't want to get into the spoilery trivia, so I'm going to avoid that. Um, thank you, IMDb, for demarking spoiler-filled trivia or not. Um, there's not a lot of trivia, actually, even considering that. Let's see, for his ceremony scene, actor Jing, uh, Jung Min Hwang uh, filmed for 15 minutes without a break. It was a one, one long take scene. What? That was weirdly written. It was one long take scene, hyphenated, long take. Interesting. It feels awkward, but I guess it's grammatically correct. Anyway, that notwithstanding, uh, I do, I am a sucker for like those like weird long take scenes, like the one takes. Um, those are very fun. It's always interesting for me to see like when those happen. Very excited about it. Uh, and also it leads me to believe that ceremony scene there's probably really some like demony things happening here hopefully maybe maybe it leans into the supernatural at some point uh harder don't know could just be someone doing a ceremony and then it doesn't um it kind of reminds me of like the ceremony scene um if you guys hadn't seen it one of the other movies that i had seen uh within the last i think five ten years uh that was really really good was a dark song uh that one was just such a good movie um it really i don't know just talking about ceremony scenes there are so many good ceremony scenes in that film where they're basically learning how to do the sigil magic so this woman could contact like angelic it's like some sort of like cabalistic sort of weird thing and this this british woman who like finds this shaman guy um to do some sort of like cabalistic sort of summoning ritual so she can ask a question of like a deity or something or an angel um it's really good like you you get the sense of like all right is this working is it not working and eventually it feels like oh maybe it is working and you kind of get into that like is this or is she going insane it's a really good movie and i, I kind of get the feeling that this movie might be uh going in the same way uh, potentially actually when did that movie come out uh, 2016. So actually the same year I ended up watching a dark song for some reason, um, in 2016, uh, before the wailing. And I would actually say a dark song is probably one of my favorite movies of 2016. Uh, just period. I'm not hundred percent certain what else came out the year as of the right now recording, but frankly, like a dark song was so good and it's got a lot of the same vibes and feel. So if, if this movie has the same vibes and feel as, you know, somewhere between Hereditary and A Dark Song, I think I'm going to love it. So that said, I'm just going to go ahead and watch this. I'm not really going to get into a lot more here because there's not a lot of trivia to kind of sink my teeth into. So with that said, I think this is going to be a 4.5 for me uh, out of five Snake Pliskins. And the reason I say that is just because well, one, it's been hyped up so much that that's really my only fear here is that it just doesn't live up to the hype. Because I think that just in general terms, any sort of Korean film that I've seen that has been in that sort of genre of thriller slash horror film, psychological thriller, has been really good. And a lot of people that I know who really like horror films have all said, like, I don't, I don't know of anyone who said this movie is bad. Like, that's the thing. Um, so the only 
place for me to go is down, but I don't think I can go further than maybe like, you know, a three or a 3.5 unless it really just steps on its own dick and just completely falls on its face. Um, Cause otherwise uh, I'm probably going to really like it. So with that said, I'll see you guys on the other side. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm Mike, and I just got back from watching The Wailing. It was garbage. I'm just kidding. It was definitely not garbage. I just wanted to make you gasp and spit your drinks out because this was one of the best movies I've seen in a very long time. I was talking before about how uh, if it was going to lean into that sort of like weird horror space of turning into a supernatural thriller, uh, it did that. It it blew away my expectations of what this was going to be. Um, and I had mentioned stuff like, you know, a dark song where it kind of does that same sort of thing. Um, and, and A Dark Song being probably my favorite movie of 2016. Um, I still really like A Dark Song, don't get me wrong, but this might be my favorite movie from 2016, um, even more than A Dark Song. The Dark Song had a lot going for it. I think that some of the visuals might have been a little bit weird, especially at the end, and that's why I would say it, it slightly fell short, but um, otherwise it's a phenomenal movie. The Wailing... Man, this, like, I thought it was going to be a slow burn, the way it was presented originally at the very beginning of the movie, but it was definitely not a slow burn at all. It was just utterly phenomenal, and it went hard the whole time. Like, there were, it did the thing that a lot of other, and I think this is maybe more endemic, at least of the Korean films that I've seen, it does a thing where it basically, you feel like it's going to be a slow burn, and then it does something that punctuates that sort of slowness, the silence. It it sort of, you know, says things quietly for a while and then it yells, right? It it's it's a very like roller coaster. It's not necessarily, you know, one big hill and down. It's it's very sort of like up and down a lot. It's never necessarily one big thing, but you're always going uphill. Uh, and then, you know, obviously at the very end of this, like you just get the rug pulled out from under you. Um I know that in this movie, I was definitely not expecting um, 
you know, sort of the twist. I mean, I knew, I thought there was going to be a twist coming, and I kind of suspect there was going to be some sort of thing with the the mysterious woman in white, right? Versus the Japanese man. I knew there was going to be something there. I didn't really see the whole, like, thing coming of, you know, uh, the shaman Ilguang being sort of in cahoots with the Japanese man, and it sort of turned it on its head. There was this, like, really cool, I guess, sort of, parallel lines that were being drawn everywhere and up until the very end it really did keep you in suspense this is this is a the definition of what a thriller is supposed to do it's supposed to basically thrill you and not only that it had so many horror elements it had amazingly good practical effects and gore i mean it even had like some zombie zombie violence essentially like it it was just honestly really well done it had a lot of everything that you could have wanted from some sort of like a really dark moody you know horror thriller you know it didn't have there wasn't stuff for everyone here obviously there's no there really wasn't much of a romance you know uh, you know you could tell that there was some uh between uh jong and his wife and I don't know if they ever say her name in the movie, but, you know, they had some nice sort of like, yeah, this is definitely like, you know, they're a married couple. Like they've got some strife. They've got some chemistry. It was really nice. It was very believable. Uh, and two, as a possession story, like it was, it was a very good possession story just in general too. Honestly, it might be my f- favorite possession movie that I've ever seen up at this point now. I guess technically, if I think about it, like the Evil Dead, those count as possession movies too. But I like them for a different way. Like the Evil Dead movies uh, and Fetty Alvarez's Evil Dead remake are, I like them for a different reason than this. Those are sort of like, the story doesn't thrill you. You're there to watch the sort of like tension and carnage. This movie, you are there and you are guessing the whole time. I guess I've already technically spoiled it, but realistically, if you haven't, at this point, if you have not watched this movie, you should have, because you're on the second half of this episode, but go back and watch The Wailing. Like, don't, I, th- I believe, um, I ended up having, uh, buying a copy of it, but, because I figured I would like it, but I think it's on Amazon Prime for free, so just go watch it on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime, or rent it, or do whatever, but go see it. But the fact that this movie had such a very good feel to it, and it it was weird too because I mentioned at the beginning like there's a lot of sort of like Nepalese, Korean, shamanistic sort of old world things going on. There's a lot of sort of like cat you know Catholicism there um, because you do have Yang Yisam I believe who was the young priest or the deacon more rather who kind of at the end sort of has the confrontation with the devil quote-unquote the Japanese man who turns himself into a demon or is the devil it's a little unclear um it seems like he's trying to you know sort of gain all of these possessions to build his power for whatever and ever infernal pact he has going on I don't think he is the devil um at any point because you know he really does have sort of that he is still human at a certain point, a certain uh, part of the day. Um, so it is revealed that the mysterious woman is some sort of ghost and the Japanese man is some sort of actual man. There's a lot of doubt in that. But 
clearly the woman is trying to do some, you know, protect the town, protect uh, Jung Hu and his family. And it's a really good movie. Um, I really like it. I a, lot, and a few other things that I really do like about it are that, you know, just the aesthetics of it. It was a beautifully shot film. You know, all of the scenes shot in the rain, which was like practically half the movie, was really good. The fact, too, that it was, it felt like it was very much a a period piece when it wasn't. It's a very modern movie, and I feel like it was, this is a very, I think what they were trying to do is they're trying to do a lot of different things. I mean, because you had Jung, um, Jung-gu who represented sort of like modernity in the law, like he's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in all of this stuff. You have his mother who is, uh, or mother-in-law, I should say, who does believe in all this. She's the one who brings the shaman in. You do have this sort of like people living in the city versus people living in the village versus the, you know, the old Japanese man living in the forest. You have a lot of this mixture of modern city, modern town, sort of small village, and then also just wilderness. And it's a really, I think the visuals of all of that parallel very well with what's happening here. I mean, you have these people practicing ancient magic. You have Ilguang, who's the shaman, who's kind of working as sort of like the, I guess, the front man for the Japanese man, sort of keeping it a modern face on it. Um, you have the mysterious woman in white who may or may not, I feel like was maybe sort of like a protector spirit for the village, maybe? I don't know. It's never really clear. It's never really completely brought forth, but like she failed in her task and you know all all that like the, the movie ends on like it's just such a downer but it's like it's like very fulfilling i guess in a way um that this movie didn't have a good ending because you hoped it did you really wanted these characters to have a good ending but you know you just knew it wasn't happening you knew it wasn't gonna happen you just didn't know who was the culprit and that's kind of why this movie carries so well because you like all these characters um the story was just very well done i will say um sort of towards the beginning it was a little bit dicey sort of introducing everyone and you do have sort of an odd transition from jonggu being sort of this cowardly you know trying to do nothing police officers to being kind of like all right i'm gonna go take care of things but i think that's easier to explain like you know hey his kid's in danger like yeah he's going to like man up essentially for lack of a better term and it was really good just in general uh i liked i liked a lot of it um i'll definitely watch this again uh at some point because there were things that obviously since i'm watching this subtitled that i probably missed but at the same time like it's it's a very it's a very well done movie that i want to see all those things that i missed like if there were like hey subtle nods here and there and actually, come to think of it, one of the things that I realized just now was that at the very beginning of the movie, you saw a picture or they showed you the Japanese man, you know, fishing. And at a certain point, Il Guang, who's the shaman, says like, hey, well, you know, when he's talking to Jonggu, why did this thing choose my family? Why is my family the one? He's like, well, it's like, you know, he's fishing. He, you know, you really should have like, I guess I should have maybe put that together in at the time it's so obvious now looking back at it but it's a very it's a very like nice subtle callback like if you don't remember that imagery from the beginning of the movie you're not going to see it and obviously in the moment i didn't see it either but looking back it makes a lot more sense like yes 
he knows that this thing is just fishing. Like, hey, this Japanese man likes fishing. He's going to say, oh, he's just fishing. It's really great because he knows what the Japanese man is doing. He knows this. And it's it, it's also kind of odd that, like, he's like, oh, I know this Japanese man. Like, do you know every random Japanese man that moves to the outskirts of Korean villages, dude? It's kind of weird, but all right. That, that should have been clue number one there. That's That was one of the big reasons why I was like, nah, this guy's kind of sus. I thought he was just going to be a grifter, honestly, for a while. And the way that everything was, you know, being done there and, and how it progressed was just very good. It's it's a chef's kiss. And it's honestly a crime that I had not watched this sooner than now. Um, this has really sort of rekindled my love for Korean films. Um, and I need to go back and watch a bunch because there, there are just a lot that I haven't seen um, especially, you know, since, uh, I was on the original, my original sort of Korean film kick when I watched, you know, like Old Boy Vengeance Trilogy, stuff like that. I need to get out there and watch like stuff like Parasite. I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, Burning is another good one that, uh, some people have, um, recommended to me. Uh, shout out to at least one person in particular who has told me to watch Burning. It's on my list. I promise I'm going to watch it. Uh, and it might be sooner rather than later because this movie has really gotten me back in that sort of like mindset of, I want to watch these movies more because they're so good. Like this is like, this really hit like everything that I wanted it to hit. It was melancholic. It was, you know, it still gave you, it still dangled that carrot of hope in front of you, even though you knew, like, no, this is not going to end well. It had, like, moments of just sort of, like, jump scares. Even at the beginning, like, it had, like, slight jump scares. Like, it had that sort of, you know, the possession movie-style terror that you always sort of see, like, you know, oh, man, like, it just had all of it. And it had... Man, it just had such a bleak, dark ending, too, which I I know not everyone's a fan of, but I absolutely am a sucker for bleak, dark endings. And this one was, it was so sad for, you know, for that family where it's like, yeah, this is just sort of a random act of, like, evil chaos by this man who is either possessed or is a demon of some kind. Like, um, I mean, he's not a demon. It's shown, like I said, he is a man at some point. He's probably morphing into some sort of a demon or, or a fuller possession, you know, um, in theory. And I, I don't know, I'm sure that there are a lot of theories out there like this, but it seems like, you know, this Japanese man working together with the shaman is moving from town to town, place to place so that he can essentially cause enough chaos and possessions with his magic so that he can in turn be granted powers by like, you know, the devil or something like that, so that he can morph into this, you know, ultra powerful demon or devil. And then you've got the clearly, you know, huckster character of the shaman Il Guang, who essentially says, hey, you know what, I'll help you out. I'll be your, you know, I'll be this guy who comes in to oppose you. And then I'll, I'll kill you off, quote unquote. Um, you know, and then I'll leave town and I'll grift people for a whole bunch of money. Like, it's it'll be perfect. Or work hand in hand. Like, it's sort of a good cover um, story. And I think that's probably what was going on here. It's just... Oh, there's fireworks going off. I don't know if you guys can hear those. Uh, anyway, but it's just this really good sort of, like, grift that these two have going on. And then you also have like it's just unfortunate that Jonggu and his family and his daughter Hyojin were the ones who were essentially caught on the lure. 
Um, I also did like, and I wish they would have done, the one thing I do wish that was maybe more sort of fleshed out was sort of Yang Yisem, the young deacon, who basically I feel like had a really good, maybe he was kind of led astray a little bit there by Jonggu. Um, and then his partner, I don't remember his name because he kind of left earlier on in the film. Uh, I can't quite remember who he was, uh, what his name was. But basically, you know, he kind of at the very end, like, you know, we see these parallels, not only to like the shamanism and the spiritualism, but, you know, like the Catholicism, like he basically is confronting the devil at the very end. And it's really good. Like he just can't, he's not prepared for this yet. Like he was led astray. He had like, you know, he had the faith to go in and, you know, say, I'm going to maybe not the conviction, but the faith to go back and say, like, I think there's something here. I need to check it out. But unfortunately, like, you know, because of, you know, Jong-gu's sin, which was, you know, killing the old man, the Japanese man, you know, that allowed those spirits, you know, you know, putting that black mark on their souls collectively. These people who went to go attack this old man in cold blood for something that they really didn't know that he did, even though he did. Like, it's this sort of weird attempted murder thing. Like, all right, you're putting this black mark on your soul because you didn't act justly. And even though they sort of are acting with the best intentions, because they're not acting purely, they paid the ultimate price for it. You know, Jonggu, his entire family is killed. Um, he dies as well uh, at the hands of his possessed daughter. And then you also have, you know, you don't see the other characters, but you also see, and you don't see it on screen, but you assume that, you know, the young deacon, uh, young Yi-Sam is basically, you know, that he is, you know, killed at some point by this demon. Uh, I know, uh, I've heard that there's some sort of deleted scene, um, and I don't know what that's about. I've seen mention of it here and there. I kind of want to go watch that deleted scene, but um, I don't know if that explains anything more. But basically, the idea, you know, to me, like this is this was a this was a great film. Um, if you like sort of that dark, moody. Um, spiritualism you know supernatural thriller like you know and, and honestly it could have gone either way like hey this could have all just been one big trip right because up until a certain point like there really wasn't any sort of like direct spiritualism right there was a point where you could say like yeah this is all just people being paranoid and it would have been honestly a good thriller even if that was the case uh but just the way that it elevated it with that spiritual element was in my opinion, great. And I think this is like one of the very most, like this is instantly catapulted into my top 10, if not my top five. And I, I'm due for a rewatch on Old Boy. I mean, this might be, this might be better than Old Boy. Like I, this is really good, guys. If you haven't seen it, again, I've spoiled the whole movie, but like, go watch it. Like, or if you have seen it, just watch it again. Like it was really good. And again, it just re rekindled my love for Korean films. I definitely just want to watch more of them also that does bring me to the other thing here that i did want to say uh na hong jin who is the direct writer and director of this movie he did write another film he this the wailing is the last film that he directed uh however he is he is or did i believe he did and it's out he did write another movie and it was directed by and i'm going to completely completely butcher this name 
Uh, it is directed by Benjong Pasanthanakam. Benjong Pasanthanakam. Uh, I, I don't know. But uh, he co-wrote it, or at least he did the original story, and it was written by um, another gentleman. But it is, I believe it's called The Medium. Uh, and I think it is a high film. Uh, and it's a very sort of parallel movie, something about like a shaman and like, you know, basically a shaman or a family member is possessed by what they think is like a regional goddess, but it might end up being a demon. Uh, it seems very similar. And I really want to watch that now. Uh, I also want to watch more of Na Hongjin's sort of back catalog. Uh, he did another movie in 2010 called The Yellow Sea. He did a movie called Chaser. Um, he did a movie called, his short called Sweat. Uh, but I definitely want to watch Yellow Sea and Chaser because they, I mean, after that, like, obviously these are earlier films, so they, who knows, they may not be as good, they may be better, they're probably different, but who knows what it's going to be. Like I said, if you've never seen a Korean film, go watch one, watch more. And I guess with that said, the one thing I will say is there will be more episodes like this in the future, like I said, in the first half. Um, just simply because of timing, scheduling. Um, I know that a lot of people don't like these as much, but these are more just sort of review-type episodes. Um, they're not quite as funny. Uh, like I said, I'm not as funny by myself uh, without someone here to riff on. I mean, I could be out here, like, telling you jokes or whatever, but these are 100% my sort of, like, schizo thoughts as I go through thinking about this movie that I just watched and whatnot. So I apologize if you don't like these episodes, just stay tuned. There will be other episodes where I do more stuff with co-hosts and they will, I promise, be funny. I believe next week I do have one uh, coming up on Kelly's Heroes, if that is the plan. If not, then I'm sorry I lied. Future me is a bastard. And then the last thing I have before I sign off, if you do like this show, Share it with somebody that you think would like it. You know, it doesn't have to be somebody who's super into films. Like, even if they just want some time filler, I know these are long episodes. These in particular are shorter, but if they want something that's, you know, hey, I've never seen this movie and I kind of want to see it, but I don't really. Like, honestly, you don't have to watch the movies to basically listen to these episodes. Like, you don't have to plan on watching it. Like, if you're not a horror fan and you hate watching horror movies... I know that there's at least one person out there in my audience who has told me like, hey, Mike, why don't you watch less horror films? Because I hate watching horror films. Okay, well, seriously, listen to the episodes. You don't have to watch the movies. You can just listen to the episodes and then just pretend like you did watch them because honestly, we're the next best thing to watching the movie. I promise you. I promise you. Uh, so share it with somebody. And if you don't have anybody that you think would like it at all, like if you're like, well, Mike... I have no friends who like movies. I, my friends have never seen a single movie in their entire lives. Okay, well, then you can just go on to iTunes or Spotify or whatever other platform that you like and rate and review us there. And then also follow us on Twitter.com at MWNSpodcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram. I just don't post as much there because it is a pain in my absolute balls to post there. I hate that they don't have a browser version that I can just post with and I have to do it on my phone. That's bullshit. Instagram, you're fucking up. Um, and I'm not on Facebook because I guess I already have Facebook technically. It's Instagram. It's just picture Instagram. Um, not on there, but you can find me on Twitter. I'm relatively active there. I will interact with you. And sometimes I post memes there. So 
With that being said, I'm going to rate this movie. I think I'm giving this a, this is a five out of five for me. Uh, this is everything I look for in a Korean film. This is everything I look for in a, in a thriller, honestly. It did keep me guessing till the end. And that is one of the biggest things that like, like, yeah, I had my suspicions and they were kind of right-ish, but like I was thrown into some massive doubt throughout the movie. So um, if you want a great thriller with a, you know, like that has gore, that has demons, that has ghosts, that has, you know, weird exorcism rituals in it, uh, that has like, you know, it's partially a police procedural at, at certain points. It's a revenge film at certain points. Like it's got so much to it uh, for you to sink your teeth in if you like any of that. Uh, if you like, if you only like comedies, uh, and you like movies with good endings, don't watch this movie. Like, that's that's all I'll say. Like, you won't like it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I will see you in the next one, which I believe should be Kelly's Heroes. If not, sue me. D don't don't actually sue me. Okay, guys, don't don't really do that. I would. I don't, I don't have money. I'm, I'm one of the poors, please. I'm one of you. Solidarity, eat the rich, I guess. Whatever. We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show that I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Pl pl plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, you know, like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster. You know, like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.